0: The views and opinions expressed on this show do not necessarily express those held by this station or its advertisers, and are strictly the opinions held by those contributing to the show. Welcome to the Eric Little High School Football Podcast, your home for news, discussion, and opinions about high school football in the Mid-Ohio Valley. And now, here's your host, Eric Little. Welcome to another edition of the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. Again, I am the namesake, happy to have you once again. This is a podcast about high school football in the Mid Ohio Valley, episode 18 of season 3. If you haven't already done so, like us on Facebook at the Eric Little High School Football Podcast. New episodes drop every Wednesday. You can download us on Apple Podcasts or through SoundCloud. Coming up, we'll run down the brackets in all three classes in West Virginia and preview this week's games. Plus, we'll lay out what happens next for some of the local teams that got eliminated. Some news and notes first. If you haven't already heard and if you've followed high school football enough to listen to this podcast, you probably have, the playoffs in West Virginia took a massive hit last weekend when 11 of the 12 Sunday games were wiped out because of the COVID map that came out at 5 p.m., or excuse me, 6 p.m. Saturday, in what we feared was the worst-case scenario. And the only reason these games were scheduled for Sunday was the compromise that was struck at the 11th hour by the SSAC. At first, they weren't going to fill the playoff field with teams from red or orange counties, meaning that a lot of the states best teams would not get the chance to make the playoffs, and instead they wouldn't even be ranked. The playoffs would just then be backfilled with teams from 17 on down so that way the playoff games could happen. But, against some objections, the SSAC reversed course two days later last week and decided they would indeed seed those schools, but games that were involving teams from either red or orange counties would be scheduled for Sunday after that next week's COVID map. So they had a week's reprieve to try to get the numbers back in order. I think a lot of testing happened and from what I'm hearing, a lot of of places where there was testing. The numbers went the opposite direction, unfortunately, for the schools involved. 11 of the 12 Sunday games were wiped out, and oddly enough, the only one that happened was Bluefield and Clay County, a game that at one point was called off. They called it off earlier in the week, and then the school said, nope, it's back on, we're good to go, and it ended up being a route for Bluefield. But either way, not the ending that we want to see for a lot of teams. The season ends for perennial contenders like Wheeling Central, Williamstown, and then teams like Wheeling Park, Buffalo, PHS that are almost always in the playoffs, and Class A number one Tug Valley, and their case is maybe the most interesting of all. Controversially number one seed in Class A, despite having played just three games, and if they would have played Sunday, it would have been their first game in 40 days. And it would have come without any real practice before the game for Tug Valley because they've been either red or orange for the last several weeks. They fell to orange during the week, and it looked like they might catch up and might get into the gold and be able to play didn't happen at the 11th hour. And they were only allowed into the playoffs because, again, the SSAC lowered the minimum number of games to four to be playoff eligible. They had only three. After the SSAC made an exception that pretty much only affected them, saying that you were okay to get in if you had just three games, but you had to have made a good faith effort to get a fourth game in. Tug Valley apparently had done that, got in, and was a number one seed. And now, because of that, number 16, Tigers Valley, automatically moves on to the quarterfinals. So, between that, and we'll get this upset that happen later. These brackets are all over the place. Many people have called into question the legitimacy of these playoffs. If 11 of your 12 Sunday games, that's 11 of 24 overall games, didn't happen and one team moved on simply because they were from a healthier county, people have questioned how legitimate are these playoffs and how legitimate will the champion be? And I have some thoughts on that later in the program, too. Unfortunately, it's what the SSAC didn't want to see happen. These playoff games aren't happening. Good teams saw their seasons just kind of peter out. It's not the way you expect your season to end It's not the way any of these young men expected their seasons to end when they started in July and August. Back then, we were hopeful we'd be able to get through this. We were skeptical of what happened, but we've seen success in other areas and other areas in the COVID era that we've been able to return back to life as normal. And things were going along pretty well for a long time until the numbers started to get worse about three or four weeks ago. The number of cases started going up. The number of games that were called off started going up. Areas that were not problematic in this state earlier this year, all of a sudden were becoming problematic. So the things were not... Going well, they haven't been going well the last two to three weeks of the regular season and into the playoffs. But it really took a hit on Saturday night when seasons ended for a lot of the best teams in this state. Pour one out for those teams, and we'll get to some of those in just a minute. We'll talk about what's next for the teams in this area that were eliminated. But it's a playoffs unlike any other we've seen, in that some of the best teams were taken out just because their counties have too much COVID or too many COVID cases in those counties. A real shame that it's got to be that way. I know that. We're in a pandemic, and high school football is not the most important thing in that pandemic. But if you're a high school football player, your season and your team and and your teammates, your friends, that is the most important thing to you. That is a message that I think is falling on a lot of deaf ears. And not so much here, but I think nationally, there's a lot of people that wonder why we still care about sports and why we still care about these activities and these extracurriculars. These are high school experiences that you're never going to be able to replicate. You're only in high school once. You're only this age once in your life. We all remember what it was like when we were that age and I think we've all wondered a time or two how would we react if we were in the position that these young men and women are in. Again, the volleyball tournament that concluded last week. It was not equitable for a lot of the people involved. A lot of the best teams were told they could buy a ticket to go watch the tournament but were not able to play in the tournament because of COVID. It's a pandemic that as we've learned over the last eight months it doesn't play fair it doesn't play favorites it cares not about your traditions your rituals your customs your family the things that you hold near and dear. It's going to do what it does. And until we get this pandemic under control to any significant measure, we're going to see things that play out like this. This is high school sports. There's not the time, the energy, the money, or the commitment involved to play this in a bubble. You can't just send everybody off for three months at a time and then go play your season in a bubble and test everyone regularly. The things that you're seeing at the professional sports levels and even in some of the college levels, that's not realistic. And even a lot of the college sports, that's falling apart. College football is falling apart. Apart in front of our eyes, unfortunately. Whereas a month ago, it looked like we might reasonably get to an end of the season. Now, that end of the season's looking even more in doubt, and we really only need to go another few more weeks for that to happen. But COVID is definitely rearing its head and showing that it's not to be messed with, and we saw that in the winter sports schedule. In a bombshell announcement, the Governor Jim Justice dropped on Friday. He called for a postponement of winter sports until at least January 11th. So, a lot of these players that are getting eliminated are Used to being able to just finish up a sport and then trade in your football pads and go pick up some sneakers or go get your singlet ready, not the case this season. Winter sports have been put on hold. It mainly affects girls' basketball because they had already started. They were in the gym a week when that announcement came out. Wrestling and boys' basketball was to have started on Monday, and I believe swimming had just got underway as well. So an announcement that no one saw coming, but when you look at the numbers in the state, isn't altogether surprising. Once we get this high school football season done. If we get it done, we're not going to see high school sports for a little while. And we'll get back to football in a moment, but this is a good time to jump off into this winter sports announcement a little bit deeper. How big of a shock was this? When reached for comment late Friday morning, early Friday afternoon, WVSSAC Executive Director Bernie Dolan said, I just found out myself. That was after Jim Justice, during his Friday press conference, announced that winter sports were suspended until January 11th. The executive director of the Secondary Schools Activities Commission reacted that way. Said he just found out himself. Jim Justice cuckled at Bernie Dolan. Can you imagine that on a Friday what that would be like if you're Bernie? Wouldn't you just want to leave work go home open up a bottle of your strongest and I'm not saying that Bernie Dolan drinks or enjoys a drink here or there but wouldn't you just want to open up a drink of your strongest pour it out and just sit there on your couch and sip on that thing? That's what I would want to do if I'd worked that hard to make sure high school sports were happening in this state only for the governor of the state to then go and do whatever he wanted without consulting anyone that would be an extreme frustrating job. I'm someone who has not shied away from criticizing the WVSSAC through social media, in person, on the air, on this program. I don't intentionally go out to do it, but I also don't shy away when I have issues with the way they're doing things. But my goodness, after hearing about that, I couldn't help but feel for the folks at the SSAC. They're working hard to try to make this happen, and it might not be fair and equitable for everybody. They're coming up with a lot of imperfect solutions in an imperfect, crap time to try to do the best they can by the student-athletes at this state. And I truly believe that in my heart of hearts, that the SSAC is doing their very best to make the best of a really terrible situation. But to go from that to finding out with everybody else, with no input from anyone, not Governor Justice, not Bray Carey, not anybody in Justice's inner sphere, to find out that all of a sudden this planning that you were doing for winter sports, well, put it on hold everyone else is going to have to make some new schedules, and your workload just got a lot harder for the next several weeks. Boy, you can't help but feel for everybody involved there. There is an online movement that I saw this week on social media. I believe there's a Facebook group trying to organize a rally for winter sports at the Capitol. I've never been more cynical about protest and about voicing opinions in a democracy than I am at this very moment in this very state, because what Jim Justice proved on Friday is that he's going to do whatever he darn well pleases, regardless of what you think of it. Is that something that he would have been willing to do three weeks ago before election day? I don't know. He's been re-elected, so there's not that to swing his opinion anymore. I'm not saying his re-election did necessarily weigh into the postponement of winter sports, because, again, the numbers are what they are. They're not great in this state, and they're getting worse every day. But, the timing does beg the question, and the fact that it came with very little input from the people that are directly associated associated with pulling this off that makes you wonder as well. But just in doing that, you have to look at everything else that Jim Justice does as governor of West Virginia, especially as it pertains to the kids of the state and trying to bring sports into the state. You have to look at that and wonder what his intentions are because, again, you know that he might see this criticism, he might hear it. He was swayed earlier this year with the marching band because originally they were not going to be able to play at football games this year and then they were. I think that was just so overwhelming that he couldn't Turn that down and so unfair on its face that you couldn't deny that. But then again, so is this. And I'm not sure that we're going to see justice moved one way or the other, no matter what rally, no matter what speaker, no matter who comes out to say anything. A lot of student athletes have made impassioned pleas on social media. They've written a letter begging, pleading, don't take my senior season away. Don't do this to our team. Hasn't changed a whole lot. And one could also argue that Justice himself is equally impacted because he is a basketball coach. He's the girls' basketball coach as we speak. at Greenbrier East High School. And while you want to say that you wouldn't think he would continue that role in a pandemic when there are much more important things that justice could and should be doing, You'll look at an announcement like Friday's, and you say, well, he's going to do whatever he wants because he doesn't care what you think. He doesn't care what the optics look like. This is a man who, while running for governor, would hand out cash at the Greenbrier Classic, the golf tournament, the PGA event that used to be at the Greenbrier. When golfers would make a hole-in-one on the par-3 18th hole, he would hand out cash rewards, and that's how they used to lure people to the event. If you were sitting at the 18th hole or standing by the 18th hole when someone hit a hole-in-one, it was $100 or something like that. And then the second time it happened, it was 5 there was a 1000 for everybody around. And I was down there one day several years ago when, on the first day of the tournament, the first round of the tournament, two golfers hold out on 18. So for the rest of the weekend, there were people camped on 18 to see if they could win money. And, hey, I was there when a ball frittered a couple feet by the cup, almost won some myself. I'm not going to lie. But to do that while you're running for political office, and governor no less, to be the one that is handing people cash, that's not a good look. He already doesn't care care about optics. He doesn't care what things look like because too many times in recent days, in recent months, in recent years, we have seen wealthy people don't care what the outside world thinks of them. And this is the same thing here. I'm not talking about Jim Justice, a politician. I'm talking about Jim Justice, the billionaire. He does not care what you think about what stuff looks like. He just does not. So no, I have no doubt that if there were a girls basketball season to be played right now, he would be coaching in that season. You're not going to see Mike DeWine doing something else in Ohio while a pandemic is going on, or Andrew Cuomo in New York, or a lot of other governors. He does not care about the optics of the situation. He would still be coaching, regardless of what you thought of it. So no, I don't think your opinion is going to sway him in this area, unfortunately. But to get back to football, three, four weeks ago, these playoffs weren't necessarily a given, but you had to like the chances that these are going to happen in some meaningful fashion. Maybe not to the fashion that, that you'd like to see them. Uh, not everybody got all the games in and a lot of teams that were going to be out in the cold already before getting limited by the map. But that Saturday map last week really signaled the death knell and perhaps fired a shot across the bow of a lot of people in this state and might have served as the attention grabber that some people needed to take this pandemic seriously. It sucks that the kids are being used as a leverage point for that to happen, but if you're only now getting mad about this pandemic pandemic and angry about this pandemic, then where have you been? I know that a lot of people have told, and they've told me this personally in the last month. I've heard this a lot in the last couple of weeks, actually. People have said, I didn't know anybody who had this until a few weeks ago, and now I know a few people that have it. And that's when a lot of people say they started taking it seriously. I have known people that have it, I'll say that. Some people that are close to me have tested positive. And from what they've told me, it's not a walk in the park. It's a very, very serious thing, and it leaves you feeling pretty miserable. But one thing this pandemic has taught me is that you can't make People care about people and care about other people. You either do or you don't. And if it took something like high school football being canceled or your team season coming to an end to make you take this seriously, maybe you just don't care about people the way that you thought you did. I I don't know. I can't answer that question for you. The things that we have, we're lucky to have them. They could all go away again, and not just because some politician shuts them down, because the numbers may actually merit that those things be shut down. Unfortunately, it's taken this to be that wake up call for a lot of people. The people really to feel sorry for are the coaches and the players that have poured their energy into these seasons. That's not the ending anybody wished for, and that's not the ending that you should wish for on any team. It's a shame that the seasons come to this, and a bit of a lesson for life. Unfortunately, life's not fair. And those are hollow words right now, and those are words that don't have a lot of meaning to them right now, but it's true. Life isn't fair, and unfortunately a lot of people, not just in high school sports, but a lot of people across the board are getting dealt really, really terrible hands right now in life, in their careers, in their family situations, in just everything. And we got to hope for the best, put one foot in front of the other, and hope there are better days ahead. And there are promising signs every day that vaccines are on the way, and that they're testing well, and that we could see these things maybe even a little earlier than some of the projections of just a couple months ago. So, good news is to be had. Unfortunately, there are some consequences, and, and unfortunately COVID is going to cause some casualties in our everyday lives. Whether it's our favorite TV show that didn't come on for two months, or whether it's a sport that we were without for a little while, or whether it's a high school sports team or our team, it's an unfortunate loss that we have during a year that's full of unfortunate loss. Let's take a look at the games that did happen. Ritchie County survived a tough challenge from Ward County in a 16-7 win. The Tigers played good defense and they were a game group, as Dave St. Peter said on Light Rock 93R. They prevented the big play as long as possible and trailed by just one point going into the fourth quarter. And then Graydon McKinney stepped up, busted off a 72-yard touchdown run. The two-pointer no good. Ritchie County went up 14-7. to And then Ward County backed up in their own end. Quarterback was sacked in the end zone by Austin Bartlett. The safety made it 16-7 to and pretty much put the Tigers to bed and tamed their roar. If you're Ward County, the thing that's sticking out to you, in this game is your inability to get it done in the red zone. Ward County had three cracks at the end zone from inside the 10-yard line in the first half, and pretty quickly in that game, too. They scored on one of them, and they were denied inside the 10 on two of those three. You get another one of those, you get both of them, you definitely win the game. You get the other one, you might win the game. You have three cracks early on in the red zone inside the 10, and you needed to score on more than just one of those. They're a team that's rebuilding under head coach Jason Hickman, a second stint, a second year of a second stint. They were a playoff contender perennially for a while in his first stint before things fell off out there. For a team that hadn't been to the playoffs, a program that hadn't been to the playoffs since 2012, and you got no kids on your roster that have played playoff football, they gave Ritchie County everything they had. And that's a Ritchie County team that went to the quarterfinals last year, so they had loads of playoff experience. Wirt had none. Wirt was a very game group, but you've got to get it done in the red zone. The Tigers didn't do that, and so Ritchie County moves on to a matchup with unbeaten Greenbrier West. We'll talk about that one a little bit more later in the program. Season comes to an end for Fort Fry, a bit of a disappointment, because there are a lot of people in this area that thought Fort Fry had a chance to win a state title, and they fell short in the semis. They made it to the Final Four. They were 10-0 going into the matchup with Springfield at Zanesville High School. They lost 16-13, and just like Ward County, it was Fort Fry that went cold in the red zone. Uh, They had four shots with the ball inside the 10-yard line in the closing minute of the game. They could not get into the end zone, and they ran out of time. So Eric Huck and his Fort Fry cadets, they finish up at 10-1. Won a semifinalist for the second straight year. Not the ending that Fort Fry wanted, but unfortunately they're knocked off by Springfield on their way to the state finals. So a good run for Fort Fry, but it ends in the state semifinals. How about the statewide scene? Look at some of these games. The big one that jumped off last Friday was number 16 Elkins knocking off number one Sissonville 42 to 27. Sissonville played just five games coming in. They were 5 and 0. Elkins, for that matter, was 5 and 3, so it's not like they played a full schedule either. But Elkins, in addition to COVID, they're dealing with one other thing that most people haven't been dealing with this year. Their stadium was condemned at the beginning of the season. They've not played any home games in their home stadium. They've had to do things like have their homecoming at a different venue. They've had opponents who played their fight song for them as they took the field just so they could hear what it was like one time to come out to their fight song. Something that we take for granted at high school games that you can have a home game and have your band. I don't believe they've had their band at any game this year because of COVID and because of the fact they haven't had home games. So they got to hear at least one time their fight song as they took the field. That had to be pretty cool for them. In one way, they're uniquely qualified for the challenge of taking down a one seed. They are used to going on the road. They're used to not playing in Elkins. They go on the road and they hand Sissonville a 42-27 loss, and so all of a sudden, in AA, the number one seed, gone. Number 16, Sissonville, will advance to face Robert C. Bird, who advances because of the COVID map. Again, 16 versus eight in the quarterfinals. You don't see that often. Another score out of double-A that jumped out of people. Herbert Hoover rallied late, and in the final minute of the game knocked off Liberty Raleigh 34-33. Herbert Hoover was 5-2 coming in. Liberty was 6-0, and, oh, and they were sneaking toward the top five of the state in the Metro News Power Rankings in Class Double-A. Again, Herbert Hoover comes up with a 34-33 win there. As you said earlier, Bluefield knocked off Clay County 47-6 in the only Sunday game in Class Double-A or any class this week. Oak Glen shuts out Point Pleasant 42 to nothing. I thought that game might be a little closer than that. I thought wrong. Fairmont Senior held serve against Braxton County with a 60 to 34 win in Class AAA. A lot of chalk. Bridgeport knocks off Washington 55-7. Martinsburg routes George Washington 62 to nothing. Musselman was a 64-26 winner over University and a state record set by Blake Hartman in that game for Musselman. He became West Virginia high school football's all-time career scoring leader. and He tied the career touchdown mark. Seven touchdowns. He scored 42 points. Musselman played for the first time in a month, and the Appleman won. And they won big 64 to 26. So that record is going to be even more impressive when you look back at it and realize that the Applemen, that was just their eighth game of the year. They played in the first round of the postseason. Definitely adds credence to that record. And congratulations to Blake Hartman, who is definitely the front runner in most circles for the Kennedy Award, you'd have to think. But those are the only games played in class AAA, in class A. Pendleton County knocked off Moorfield 14 7. We said Ritchie County was a 16 to 7 winner over Worth County. Number 14, East Hardy. Upset. Number 3, Donridge County. 25-19. They built up an 18-0 lead before the Bulldogs rally got back in that one. Greenbrier West routed Madonna 58-0, so at 9-0 Greenbrier West will welcome 9-2 Richie County in a quarterfinal matchup. Those were the games that were played. Games that didn't happen in Class AAA. John Marshall Cabell Midland didn't happen. Cabell Midland advances. Ripley South Charleston didn't happen. South Charleston advances because of the COVID map. Spring Valley Hurricane with Spring Valley advancing. Princeton Wheeling Park with Princeton advancing. Spring Mills Parkersburg with Spring Mills advancing. said earlier, Robert C. Byrd over Polka because of COVID and and Robert C. Byrd advances. Tigers Valley advances over Tug Valley in Class A. St. Mary's advanced over Wheeling Central, dodging a huge, huge bullet in that game. St. Mary's thought they had the worst luck of anybody getting a four seed, so you host two games, but one of them is Wheeling Central the first round, and then you don't have to play Wheeling Central. Probably the number one team in the state, and they were the number one in the Metro News Power Rankings when they were last ranked, but St. Mary's ducks Wheeling Central, and so they move on, and now they have a cakewalk to Wheeling Island. Buffalo Midland Trail didn't happen. Midland Trail advances. Tulsa Williamstown didn't happen. Williamstown knocked out. Tulsa moves on. If you're Saint Mary's, you got Midland Trail coming in. They're four and one. They've only played five games, and you've played nine. Midland Trail and Buffalo met in that game early in the season, where they went scoreless in a double overtime. You have to question Midland Trail's ability to move the ball and play offense. So if you're Saint Mary's, you got a home game in the quarterfinals against Midland Trail. And then you'd move on against a one seed. Oh, no one seed to be had. Tug Valley's gone. So it's either going to be Tiger's Valley, a 16, or the number 8 which is Pendleton County, and you'd have them at your place. They lost at Pendleton County last year. St. Mary's would welcome Pendleton County in the semifinals if that happens. So Midland Trail and then either Pendleton or Tigerts Valley to get to Wheeling Island. The only seed better than St. Mary's that is still left because of either upsets or COVID, Greenbrier West. A team you wouldn't face until you get to Wheeling Island anyway for St. Mary's. So while maybe you didn't want it to happen this way, if you're the Blue Devils, your road to Wheeling Island just got a lot more clear because of the COVID map last Saturday. There, Hard to think there's a winner in the COVID metric map, but it's also hard to look at St. Mary's and the circumstances they were handed and not think that they would be one of those teams. But St. Mary's just got a lot clearer of a road to Wheeling Island. But there were upsets all over the place between that and COVID. The brackets are all over the place and absolutely jumbled in West Virginia this year. Stay connected with us on Facebook. Like our page, the Art- Little High School Football Podcast. While you're there, answer our weekly poll question and feel free to share your comments or questions. Eric will get to those on a future edition of the show. So let's take a look at the games that we will see this week. The quarterfinals in Class AAA. Number one, Cabell Midland welcomes number nine, Spring Mills. Number two, South Charleston hosts number 10, Princeton. And number four, Martinsburg welcomes number five, Bridgeport. Those are Friday night games. Those are games that will happen because the COVID metrics currently allow for all of those games. And then Sunday, if the metrics allow, Musselman will host Spring Valley. But Spring Valley at four and one, they are in Wayne County. And Wayne County must drop from Orange for that to happen by that Saturday map. If it does, then at 5 o'clock Sunday, Musselman will host Spring Valley. In Class AA, Friday night, you've got number 2 Bluefield hosting number 10 North Marion. That's some gamesmanship, by the way, on North Marion because Bluefield had to play a Sunday afternoon game and because both of those schools were able to play Bluefield and North Marion in the quarterfinal round, because they were both able to play, that gave North Marion the pick of when they could play and they chose to make Bluefield turn around and defend home turf again on Friday night. So they're going to have short rest coming back to face North Marion in the play. Playoffs. Number 6, Fairmont Senior hosting number 14, Independence. Those are the Friday games. Saturday afternoon features number 5 Oak Glenn hosting number 13, Herbert Hoover at 4 p.m. and then the Sunday game that'll only happen if Randolph County drops from orange, where they are now. Number 6, Robert C. Bird hosts number 16, Elkins. You'd hate to see Elkins come this far and then fall because of Randolph's COVID metrics, but that's the situation we're looking at there. In Class A, there are no Friday games. These are the brackets that are really impacted by COVID. The only one that's not COVID in Impacted. Number two, Greenbrier West at 9 0 hosts. Number seven, Ritchie County at 9 2. That's a 1 Saturday kickoff, and we'll have it for you on Light Rock 93R. That's the only one that we know for sure will be played. The Sunday games at 1 30, number eight, Pendleton County welcomes. Number sixteen, Tigers Valley. And number eleven, Tulsa hosts. Number fourteen, East Hardy. Randolph County again impacting Tigers Valley there. And both counties in the Tulsa East Hardy matchup have to draw from Orange for that to be played. And then at three o'clock Sunday, number four, St. Mary. Marys hosts number 5 Midland Trail if Fayette County, where Midland Trail is located, if Fayette County drops some orange, that game will happen. And if it does, it'll be on Light Rock 93R as well. So not as much of an impact by and large this week as far as COVID goes, but still plenty of impact and a lot in Class A They're gonna be decided just by the COVID map. As COVID continues to run, we continue to try to get a state champion. Unfortunately, Williamstown and PHS are the area teams that will not be playing for that state championship. Uh, if you're Williamstown, tough to see that offensive line and an offensive line like you don't normally have, to see that group go away to graduation, that's a shame because Williamstown's always a fun team to watch in the postseason. They always get better from where they were at the beginning of the year and to not see that happen. It's kind of like when you've got a garden full of roses and then right before the bloom, somebody mows over them. That's exactly what Williamstown's season's been like. It doesn't really have a natural end and you feel for the players, the coaches that have sacrificed a lot of time and effort to make it all happen. You're grateful for what they were able to provide us. They provided a lot of entertainment for the community of Williamstown, a lot of joy there. But you go to Williamstown right now and there's kind of a gloom over the area and it's because the Yellow Jackets didn't win but they sure didn't lose either. Not the end of the season that they deserved. And how about PHS? The Big Reds had one of their stronger teams in a year and with Bryson Singer at quarterback really coming into his own as a junior, throwing the ball well, connecting with Carter King, running the ball well and leading that backfield. He's someone that you'd have to think with maybe a good game against South, which didn't happen, and a win or two in the playoffs, he might have vaulted himself into at least some discussion for the Kennedy Award. I'm not sure that he would have overtaken Blake Hartman, especially not after the year Hartman's having and the career numbers he's put up, but he would have garnered some attention and may still garner some attention, who knows. But it's a shame that we won't get to see what he can do in the playoffs until next year given the way things have gone because he's a dynamic athlete and they've really blossomed nicely around him and they've turned into an interesting team, an intriguing team to keep an eye on. Singer's numbers should merit him for some All-State consideration on the first or second teams. The only reason I say second is because that's a deep class in the first team level despite the fact that a lot of teams haven't played many of the games on their schedule this year. But with one more year of Bryson Singer, you have to think that hopes are going to be high at PHS going into next year and you hope they can build around him with what's left. Before we get into this week's games, I have some thoughts on how to treat the remaining teams in the playoffs and the eventual state champion. I haven't seen this from a lot of media outlets, and I haven't seen this from a lot of people that cover high school sports regularly, but I have seen this far too many places. A lot of people saying that they won't officially recognize the eventual state champions or they won't congratulate the eventual state champions. There have been some comments made that have almost diminished the importance of the state championships and the value of those state championships. And let me say this. If your school was a school that was denied the chance to play on the playoffs and your season ended because of a COVID map instead of at the hands of an opponent, I can understand why you're upset. I would be upset as well. But don't take your disappointment as an excuse to diminish the accomplishments of another group of young men. No matter who ends up winning the state championship this year, supposing it is played... And if we get another good three weeks, then we'll see a champion. Hopefully things over the next three weeks hold out to where we can at least crown champions in all three classes. But whoever eventually ends up as the champion, they will have earned that through hard work. Just because they're from a healthier county and might have got the luck of the draw doesn't mean they also didn't work hard and want to win a state title. So the teams that are still in the running are every bit as legitimate as anybody else. They were just dealt a better hand is all. But remember what you're saying when you're saying that you don't think the state championship is legitimate or that the playoffs have any legitimacy at this point, you're not taking away from a system that unfairly punished your team. You are making a statement against people that have worked hard as well. It's not fair to anybody. We're not making any bones about that. But to not recognize the eventual champion as the true champion and as the winner of this cheapens their accomplishments and it diminishes young people in this state. It doesn't build up your young people. It tears down other young people. Just because your team or this team that you supported or this team that was number one of the rankings didn't end up winning the state championship or was knocked out of their chance to win it, doesn't mean that the team that did win didn't deserve to win it, or didn't belong there, or didn't work hard to get that. So remember, we all know it's an unfair system this year. We all know these things are going to happen. We hope they don't. No one wants to see a team season end that way, but don't take your anger and your frustration out on the accomplishments of people who worked hard to get where they are. Don't begrudge them what they have just because you don't have what you want want. Turning to our games and the games of the week, Light Rock 93R again is scheduled to have a double header. Ritchie County and Greenbrier West. Coverage begins at noon with countdown to kickoff Saturday, a 1 o'clock pregame from Charmco, and then one thirty the kick between Ritchie County and Greenbrier West. On Sunday, St. Mary's will host Midland Trail. If Fayette County's metrics improve, currently they're in orange, they got to get to gold or better. That's a 3 p.m. kickoff from Bill Hamlin Stadium. Our coverage will begin at 2.30 on Sunday. Games of the week in the state, how about Ritchie County and Greenbrier West? The Rebel Come in on the strength of seven straight wins, and they go on the road, and they go a long way on the road. But if you remember back in 2012 in the first round, they knocked off Summers County, going almost as far as they'll have to go on Saturday and they're going to play an unbeaten Greenbrier West team that's 9-0. Unfortunately, though, they may be without their best running back. Noah Brown, who was an All-Stater last year, ran for 2,000 yards, out with a leg injury in that game. I've not heard any updates on how severe that is or whether or not he'll be available, but if he's not good to go, that could be a Greenbrier West team that's still shuffling the deck and trying to figure out what to do. The Ritchie County might find a team in Greenbrier West that's reeling a little bit because of an injury to a key player. Bridgeport and Martinsburg, that is a matchup that could be on Wheeling Island two Class AAA powers, to perennial statewide powers, and there have been some years when Bridgeport was in AA, but those were two champions. You know, Bridgeport winning AA and Martinsburg winning AAA. All-time Titans meeting this week in Class AAA, and then in AA, a big game this week. How about Oak Glenn and Herbert Hoover? Oak Glenn impressed when they knocked off Point Pleasant. Herbert Hoover upset Liberty Raleigh, so Herbert Hoover may be making a run in the postseason. Maybe better than the number thirteen seed would indicate. Six and two now, and a big win over Liberty Raleigh. So I kind of like what Herbert Hoover and Oak Glenn might be able to do. I think that could be a more fun game than maybe you might think. So those are my games of the week. The games I'll be keeping an eye on this week. And again, I'll be working the 93R games. I'll be on the sidelines with Dave St. Peter and John Mike Nichols for Richie at Greenbury West and St. Mary's Midland Trail if the latter happens. So I'll be excited to see those games as well. Remember, you can download us each Wednesday. New episodes drop every Wednesday on Apple Podcasts and SoundCloud. You can also like us on Facebook if you haven't already done so. The Eric Little High School Football Podcast. We used to post poll questions. Can't do that anymore. but. Ask your questions, interact with the show, and we'll read your question and we'll have this conversation. If there's something that you want to ask my opinion on, ask me on the Facebook page, and it'll be a discussion point for a future episode of the show. Thank you for listening once again this week. We will do our best next week. We'll get through this week and see what happens, and then we'll keep you up to date on what's coming up next in this topsy turvy season. We're limping to the finish line. I said it a few weeks ago, but it's even more true now. Things really started to unravel toward the end of October, and as they continue to unravel, we'll keep you posted on. On the latest as best we know my name is eric little thank you for joining us on the podcast again this week and until we talk again enjoy the games this has been the eric little high school football podcast don't forget to like us on facebook and vote in our weekly poll come back next week for another new episode and thanks for listening